I'm getting a lot of noise here. Oh, it's Minnow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can't do anything about the dog breathing. <laughs> well, you're the one that edits, so. Yep. We have a lot of news to talk about today, Chris. Aren't you excited on the No End Here, the podcast with well, me and you? Ye- Spelljammer came out, so I know you're excited and you'll do 90% of the talking for that. So I'm sure that excites you even more. Yes, I am excited. There's new Spelljammer. There's new Dragonlance. Um, we talked before about the skirmish game Onslaught. There isn't really much information to say about that beyond uh, it looks like it's a card game with um, some miniatures and things of that nature. Yay. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of exciting things going on, Chris. Aren't you excited? Yeah, I am. Okay. I guess. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see what comes out. I like the fact that uh, D&D Beyond is going to be part of Wizards soon. Yes, that's another very exciting thing. Which I predicted last podcast. You did predict, and I'm so proud of you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, now D&D Beyond is now part of Wizards of the Coast. Now everyone uh, can stop saying that D&D Beyond and WotC are separate entities. They are now the same entities. Well, they will be soon. Yes, it was like June or July when the uh, the thing was supposed to go through. And also they bought D&D Beyond for like $134 million, I think it was. Sounds about right. I don't know the exact number, but yeah, that's a lot of money. It is, but also at the same time, not as much as I thought it was going to be. Well, you know, still, I take $130 million. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know about you. I would just take the $4 million you forgot to add on there. <laughs> the the uh, I'm waiting for the flood of complaints when it actually happens and being like why aren't we getting a hardcover when we buy it why don't we get access to all the books when we sign up for the membership well that brings me to the question i was going to ask you chris mm-hmm. was you know like everyone complains and you know there there is some reasoning and also at the same time there isn't any reason kind of back and forth people don't like to spend money but hardcovers are currently 50 to 60 dollars right now yep and then D&D Beyond, it's anywhere from 20 to 30 depending on what's going on. Typically, it's going to be $30. So you're looking at, you know, roughly $80 to $100 to buy the physical book and buy it on D&D Beyond without any discount kind of stuff. Correct. Which is quite a, you know, a steep ticket to unlock game features and half-assed lore. Well, <laughs> you can buy the bundle. We bought it on sale yes, for well, how much? Yes. Well, yes, you can buy the bundle. But what I'm saying is, you know, it's, it's quite a lot. So I understand people who are, you know, like, this is too much to pay. I can't afford it. All that stuff. And, you know, in which case, pick one. Or, you know, Watsy could put stickers or uh, promo codes or something in their books, which I doubt is ever... That's never going to happen... Let, let me rephrase this. That's never going to happen with the currently released books. That's never going to happen for this iteration of 5e, in my opinion. Now, in 2024, when they come out with, like, D&D 50th edition anniversary 5.5, 6e, whatever you want to call it, 2024 edition. No one can see me rolling my eyes I on mean, a podcast. I would say if they're ever going to put in promo codes to get discounts on D&D Beyond in their hardcovers, mm-hmm. it's going to be when they release the 2024 edition changes. If you don't see it there, then it's not going to happen. Well, I mean, you could also set it up as a tier where you have multiple, you know, memberships and some ridiculously high yearly membership. You, you mean like d and Insider? Yeah, but you get the books and you get the online. I don't know. I mean, 
Hasbro needs to keep making money. Yeah, Hasbro needs money. Um, not really. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to do it as in many ways as they possibly can to make cash. But, I mean, uh, they probably won't change anything. Mm. I had to guess. Now they just make a little bit more because they aren't paying Watsi, uh, yeah. uh whatever the product identity charges they have. Well, yeah, I guess the other thing, too, is that so we're talking about the products i'm curious to see what kind of changes they make on the back end um maybe we'll finally be able to add in mundane non-magical equipment into D beyond nah (laughs) or add in homebrew classes wouldn't that be fun oh good lord do you know how many homebrew classes subclasses there are on D beyond thousands and thousands yeah there's something like hey my powder mage subclasses on there yeah, I, uh, I'll leave a link for uh, people to to use if they want. There's six thousand one hundred and thirty pages of monsters, and I think each page has I don't know twenty five, twenty something like that. It's twenty monsters per page in D D. That's a shitload of monsters that people have created. I mean, that's that's just silly. That yeah. that that's that's silly. But hey. Uh, Cool. I mean, that's more resources for people to look at. My problem with that is the fact that 90% of them are garbage. And not so much that the idea isn't good, but they don't follow any of the guys. Sort of like when I make stuff and you have to fix it. There, there's no guidelines that they follow. It's just they write shit down and make up rules however well, the they want. The thing with 5e, Chris, is if you remember correctly... It's based off of the DM's fiat, and so, yeah, that's just what they're following. It's just how they feel. So, yeah, but you don't let me get away with it. <laughs> no, I don't, because uh, I hold myself to a higher standard, which means I have to drag you behind me. Let's talk about the real news, Chris. No one cares about D&D Beyond, and it's it's old news, Chris. The new, the hot, fresh news is Spelljammers well, and, okay. and, and Dragonlance, but Spelljammers. Yeah, I was going to say, are you going to mention Dragonlance? And there's the mention. Yeah, yeah. Dragonlance is in there, but that's not the exciting part, Chris. What's exciting is the three-book box set for Spelljammers. Mm. Hey, I'm being positive about this, even though it's only three 64-page hard books, which means it's half the size of the player's handbook. Well, I'm trying so to be gonna, positive about this, Chris. Are we going to have a, uh, since we're currently playing <coughs> Pathfinder 2 campaign? Are we going to, are, are you willing to go back to 5e to play? You know, I have other groups than yours, Chris. You mean the ones you like better? I, I, I can't confirm or deny that on a public forum. So, yes. Okay. You can ask me after that. I see all you after the recording. Yeah. So, so what what's involved in the Spelljammer uh, box is being released in Oct- August sixteenth. It has three sixty four page hardcover books, a double sided poster map of the Rock of Brawl, uh, which is an asteroid city, and apparently in the astral plane as opposed to where it's supposed to be in wild space. And there is a <laughs> I like how they call it sturdy four panel dungeon master screen. Designed with the books in this set. So I'm not entirely sure what new information they're going to put on the back of it. Maybe there's Spelljammer travel speeds? They're going to include? So you have the Astral Adventurer's Guide, which is for players. And Dungeon Masters. Yeah. That has, there's the the ships. Uh, Booze Astral Menagerie. I just like the 60 spell jamming friends and foes, including the first one is Space Clowns. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm in. <laughs> well, there's also murder comets. Giant space hammers. I'm not saying that about. every idea Spelltrammer has ever had is great, but it is fun. Yeah, well, I think you had me at space clowns. I, you know, they lost me at space clowns, but they got me back at murder comets. And and then there's light of exorcist. Yeah, sure. Uh, if you just say it with confidence, Chris, everyone believes you. I've been living that theory my entire life, and my wife has called me out on it. So, yes, The Light of Zarsis is a uh, 64-page adventure for levels 5 to 8. Okay. Uh, so, we were talking about this earlier. You like the fact that it's broken out into three books. Um, not the fact that they're so short. You wish they're, I'm sure you could deal with, like, a 300-page well, book. We- Your concern, one of the things you're curious about and why they did it, or... No, we know. You'll explain why you think they did it. Or, uh, I don't know. Explain yourself. So the issue that I'm facing here, and I'm trying to keep a positive face on because everyone says I'm negative too much, is that the Astral Adventures Guide is 64 pages. For players and dungeon masters, that presents the Astral Plane as a campaign setting. In addition, it includes space-based character options, spells, and magic items, deck plans, and descriptions for spell jamming ships and more. Player options typically take up anywhere from like 30 pages to 100 pages. Yeah, well, maybe then... Which means... No, no, maybe... We're basically getting nothing. I think it's... For lore. Maybe they're finally going to stop adding in 800 fucking useless tables... So that, you know, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, well, how about we don't have ideals, flaws, and I mean... That's those, a good jumping off point for people. I understand that, and I agree with you. But I think if you took that down, you'd eliminate out of your 60 pages uh, about Well, it doesn't say backgrounds, Chris. Hmm. Fair enough. Races for player characters. Well, I mean, and a background typically only takes up one page. A subclass takes up about two pages. Okay, yeah, a but how many backgrounds Character race are there? can take up two pages. It's just, uh, while I like more options, I would have preferred an entire book focused solely on lore. And unfortunately, we're not really going to get that because 5e has been very, very light on lore. They offer two sentences about a place and then they're done. The, the rest of it is up to the DM. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that in the deep dives when we get to 5e on the level of disappointment that we have when you get to 5e because 2e did a better job and they were more into the ecology and you know the lifestyle of creatures 3.5 really got into some good lore 4e they just i don't know they put in lore based on the creature and 5e was just like hi we have a monster uh, and like all monsters, it was created by a mad wizard. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, well, I mean, with 4E, yes, the monster manual is very, very light on lore, but they actually have dedicated lore books. Like, the True. Manual of the Plains is great. It's not, here's a bunch of different character options. Instead, it's, here are several chapters diving into the lore about this region. Here are several chapters about this. Here's a chapter about Sigil, so on and so forth. Now, they did have character option lore books, uh, which I, uh, it's like. In 4E or 3.5? In 4E. 
Oh, Forty really? had uh, player options, uh, heroes of the uh, shadows, heroes of the Feywild, and heroes of the elemental something something. And so it was probably like elemental chaos. Yeah. But like, and that was only like twenty five pages of lore, and then the rest of it was character options. But mm-hmm. it also specified player options, so uh, you know you're not really expecting a huge amount of lore dump there. True. Uh, all right, so. Let's start with... Well, no, it says right here, backgrounds and races, so... Meh. What player races? I mean, you don't... Well, it's obviously GIF, because well, they've shown that off a bunch. Space hell Sickle. yeah. I'm playing uh, Well, actually, they've already gone over what the new races are. Oh, where? Uh, it was a video, uh, but it was Plasmoids, GIF, uh, the Thrykeen, which are the four-armed insect creatures in the Monster Manual. Actually, I thought they were originally from Dead Suns. Or not Dead Sun... Uh, Dark Sun. Dark Sun, that's it. They may be. Did we do a deep dive on them? We haven't yet, though we should add them to the list. Yeah, we, we can do that. Yeah, okay, so that's what, four? Oh, there's also the gnome clockwork <clears throat> constructs that you can play as. And then there's one more alien kind of thing. I can't remember what it's called, though. Okay. And you could probably play a gif. They're in Spelljammer, right? Yep, yeah. But GIF there's our air already exists, so. Oh, well, the, it, it exists as UA. Yeah. Well, hang on. Does it? Uh, I'm pretty sure. Let's see. Uh, give me a second. Anyways, so yeah, you've got that. I think there's two or three subclasses that have been shown off. Okay. No, uh, well, if you go into races, uh, Gith is actually in Mordekainen's. Oh. So. As a monster to fight, not as to not as a player. Playable it's, race. It's listed under races, which would I would assume mean you can play it. I could be wrong, but all of the all of the races in here are playable races, as far as I know. Uh, it's not popping up when I go to D and D Beyond slash races and look up GIF. Uh, your no no GIF. Oh GIF G I T H. Yes yes yes. That was already uh, right. Well, technically, yeah, they were already playable mm-hmm. things, and technically, they don't belong in Spelljammers. Well, the GIF Yankee kind of show up as like crazy people. As the Gith pirate from uh, Tui, mm-hmm. but yes, actually, yeah, the, the the Gith I suppose are going to have a maybe a presence, seeing as how the Gith Yankee reside in the astral plane, and it seems like Spelljammer is doing. I can't tell if they're doing the astral plane or the wild space or maybe both. So when Spelljammers first came out in Second Edition. Spelljammer took place solely and entirely in what's known as wild space, which is the area in between the planets of all the different worlds. So there was like the Greyhawk sphere, then there's the um, uh, Forgotten Realm sphere. Uh, there, there would obviously be like an Eberron sphere out there. And each planet, solar system basically, was contained within a massive crystal sphere. And then in between the crystal spheres was um, just phlogiston streams that you would uh, sail your ships across and try and reach to the other crystal spheres. But it would, like, you're looking at, like, months of travel to get to another crystal sphere. Uh, Whereas, like, within the crystal sphere, you know, to get from, like, the central planet to the outer shell of the crystal sphere, then you're looking at maybe a week or so of travel, if that. That's why you had badass ships. Yes, that's why you had spelljammers that could travel at, I think it was like 40 million miles 
an hour. Um, but unless they got somewhere where there's a large object, like an asteroid, a moon, a comet, another spell jammer, in which case it would immediately stop from 40 million miles an hour to like, only like, I want to say like 5,000 or 4,000 miles or, uh, it would drop even lower than that, depending on like the size of the thing and um, what the oh. pilot was up to. And so then you're only flying at like speeds of 300 feet around. And people didn't just go flying off their ship. How? That's called magic, Chris. You might have heard of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I got you. I'm, I'm buying into it. I'm buying what you're selling. Does it's gotta involve wild space? The first, they they've released a monstrous compendium. Yep. For spell drama creatures. The first one is Asteroid Spider. And the first line says, an asteroid spider is a menace native to wild space in the Astral Sea. And the Astral Sea. So I guess they are keeping both. Because um, like in 4E, they got rid of wild space and you were just spell jamming across the Astral Sea. So it sounds like they're doing... Both? Yeah, both. So you have wild space, and then there are probably portals throughout wild space that lead into the astral sea that they're going with. Um, and you can jump around the astral sea. Though, 5e's version of the astral plane, not that exciting. So, nope. Well, what little is there? Not very exciting, I suppose, since they're doing a 64-page lore book slash probably like 10 pages of lore, then there might be some more interesting things for you to go and investigate. Like with 4E, their astral plane, uh, you didn't have the great wheel. So you didn't have, you know, Mechanus or Mm -hmm. the Abyss or anything like that. Instead, they existed as uh, dominions or domains within the astral plane that you could actually fly to a domain and then fly out of that domain directly into the astral plane. And so you would see like these bubbles of light that you could travel to and each domain was like a different size based off of how powerful the god was that created it and like what their purposes and things of that nature were so you could basically just fly to these different regions throughout the astral plane whereas now the only thing that's in the astral plane is the corpses of dead gods which is fun i've done that before it's uh, you know it's good uh there's an awesome cover art of a planescape book um dead gods i'll mm-hmm put a link in the description and then the other thing is random stuff that's been siphoned in thanks to like bag of devouring or when two bags of holding meat or you know all different kind of things like that there isn't like there 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 aren't if we're looking at 2e 3e 1e kind of stuff there aren't like huge civilizations out there 4e put civilizations out there the only things that are out there basically get the yankee travelers using the astral plane to travel the outer wheel and uh i guess your group of adventurers okay first nerd second uh yeah i i i actually read your articles uh on our website Why so you say it with that type of tone uh-huh <laughs> so uh yeah so i actually know some stuff about uh the the eight million planes that you've written about no uh you've done a great job on those so if you're interested in the planes feel free to go to the website i'll drop a link uh it, i i know nothing about wild space and the astral sea uh just seems like it's kind space. of just wonky chaos really like when it came out in two wheels kind of like wonky crazy chaos 
It just seems like if you were to take a rocket and leave Earth, it would be like really far out in space. It doesn't seem like anything to me. I know it's not, but yeah. that's what it seems like. Well, they 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 had a bunch of uh, source books, lore books, all with no player options, mm-hmm. and they're all just packed full of lore. Um, which uh, I believe DM's Guild has a couple that you can buy as PDFs. Um, but there was like one about the Astromundi cluster, which was like this huge asteroid field filled with all sorts of uh, nonsense that you could do. There's the Rock of Brawl, which they've already touched on, which is like this massive city. There's the creators of the Spelljammers, who I can't remember their name off the top of my head. It's something stupid. Um, I'm sure it'll come to me eventually. Uh, and, you know, like the, there, there's a lot that they put out there because they had lore books to put things out there and to help flesh out ideas and stories instead of maybe 30 pages. So that they're also sharing with deck plans to build start spell jammers. What edition? I mean, uh, that would be all second edition. Okay. Third edition had a oh, couple of... second edition where they were just writing books and writing books to make money. Second edition did a lot of fun things. Yeah. You know, we've touched on that before but the more to... bo- more books more money speaking of weird second edition things i need to check out birthright i hear a lot of great things about how great birthright as a campaign setting was what, the f- what is know- birthright i think you play as people who are trying to uh you know do stuff uh one sec. <laughs> Uh, you take on divinely empowered rulers with emphasis on political rulership level of gameplay it revolves around the concept of bloodlines, divine power gained by heroes and passed to their descendants. And so apparently it's great if you want to do kind of more like kingdom uh, building or things of that nature. Because it's built with that idea in mind. Back to Spelljammer. Yeah, Spelljammer. <laughs> We're probably never going to get a birthright, guys. Any birthright holders out there, just give up. Yeah, Dark Sun. Dark Sun. Or if you want Greyhawk, you're never going to get Greyhawk. No, you'll never get Greyhawk. Or Darkson. Uh, I know, that makes me sad. Uh, Spelljammer. So, books. Wow, we've spent a lot of time just talking about your trying to stay positive about the books. Yeah, well, I mean, the books are going to be great. I hope it's... I don't know. It'll be fine. It'll well, be now fine. I just realized that uh, Jeff Grubb, the creator of uh, Spelljammer, has not been contacted at all about it. Which, I mean, that's fine. He He put the original ideas out there. People are free to to pontificate on what he's put out there. I feel like at least it'd be nice to at least have his name in like the Spelljammer credits, like just to make grognards and weirdos like me like happy. I'm kind of surprised that he was never contacted about it, even as just like a, hey, we're going to do this thing. Go for it. I mean, Keith Baker was contacted about Eberron and that's his baby. You know, this is Jeff uh grubs baby and so it's kind of kind of surprising well maybe he i don't know maybe they read some of his novels and decided oh god because he wrote three novels and uh he's had a variety of articles in dragon he's also done a lot of manual the plane stuff so Mm -hmm. i mean i I feel like he's a kindred spirit to me chris unless he turns out to be a horrible human being in which case i have nothing in common with him yeah, okay good <laughs> i'm good, just future proofing myself good to know uh yeah you never know nowadays so and just so i was looking at something the top speed of a spell jammer ship uh is 100 million miles per hour however they cannot exist in the vicinity of a gravity plane 
which obviously the big ass things you were talking about. Yeah. And it just says slower speeds, which, yeah, again, I'm not sure how you just don't fly off into space. But again, there's it, magic. Yeah, it's called magic. Uh-huh. And seatbelts. Yeah, I, I, I'll buy into that. So, all right. So you got your three books. What are you most excited about uh, to see in Spelljammer? I, I know you wish there was more lore. And I <laughs> bet you that... If it takes you off. You want me to like pick something specific? Well. Like a monster or like well, a piece of lore? No. I mean, I think Spelljammer is going to explode when it comes out and be very popular. And I, I think so. at that I mean, point, it's weird and wacky. And I think people can can mm-hmm. be excited by it. Like, it, it, it doesn't take itself seriously. I mean, we can look at uh, one of our deep dives we just did recently with giant space hamsters. And, of course, 5e did, like, a throwaway joke where they talked, ah, oh, miniature giant space hamster in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. That's fine. Whatever. Uh, it That's that was... not the weird part. The weird part is giant space hamsters were purposely designed to be massive creatures to l- run along inside of gnome spelljammers, massive cogs that have massive rubber bands attached to them, and they have to wind up the rubber bands in order for the spelljammers to work. Like, that's like the weird off-the-wall kind of uh, nonsense within spelljammers. And it's just like, that's great. That is fun. That's exciting. I want to run a campaign in that. I don't want it to be like my full, like, I don't want to do... I can't imagine doing like multiple one to level twenty like no. campaigns within Spelljammers just because I mean once you start getting used to the wacky and stuff, it's just kind of becomes mundane. But for like a couple of sessions here, uh a fun little campaign sprint there, like it's 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 a very exciting kind of um uh place to explore. Well, I mean well first obviously the space hamster is yeah, people love it because that was the tease, mm-hmm. uh, and no one thought everyone thought it was a joke because you had it was on April Fool's Day, yeah. and you had the clip of a little little hamster floating in a circle. I feel so much space. better about that 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 spell jammer be uh, is actual thing because for a while I was like they're just being assholes. Yeah, and and to your point, it can it doesn't take itself seriously. It was on April Fool's, so yeah. it was it was kind of like their joke that they turned into something real, which is fantastic. Mm. I feel like they should have released news about Spale Jammers or like leaked something out like two or three days after April Fools, because it took them about two weeks yeah. before they did it. Which at that point it's like, well, now I don't feel like you're actually making a joke. Now it just seems like you're being assholes. Well, no, there 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 was somebody sitting at a uh, at their desk, their feet on it, and you know, just hanging out, being like, uh, how long am I gonna fuck with people? All right, let's go. Go ahead and announce it. The uh, other thing that you can hold out hope for is the fact that they've already released a monster compendium. Mm-hmm. and yeah there's like a it's, it's 10 monsters 10 monsters but that's a good sign that they're thinking ahead Maybe. and the compendiums i mean it just shows all the monsters that'll be in the uh the 64 page book right but you know it's they could end up saying okay a lot of times when you have the compendium it could roll into a specific monster manual you never know we may get another monster manual i mean jesus look at Look at three point five. I mean, there were there was a freaking compendium for everything. Yeah, well, no, and you're thinking of two e. You're thinking oh, two of two e. Yeah, and monstrous compendiums and for everything. Good lord! I mean, but and they weren't they weren't small. No, no, and they each had about forty to fifty monsters. I think inside of mm-hmm. each of them. 
So I, I think that it's going to be extremely popular and I think they're going to build off of it. And, you know, you could get a Morty Cadence or, a, uh, you know, a Tasha's for specifically for that. You know what? I hope you're right, Chris. Hmm? A, a positive. Positivity. Or this is this is just a one and done. And we're done with spell chambers. I don't know. Try to think positive. Yeah. Speaking of Spelljammers, Chris, the other thing that got announced at the same time as Spelljammers is Dragonlance. I like the books. Yeah, I, I, I like the books, too. I think I read 10 of the books. Um, I didn't really keep track of it that well. But, I mean, when I read them, I really... Oh, no. It was probably closer to about 15 to 17 of them um, that I, like, you know, checked out from the library and stuff. And so I really enjoyed it. I haven't ever played a game inside of Dragonlance or used Dragonlance creatures or ip or like ideas in my own games yeah no i i I haven't you were around in 2e yeah i i never played anything there i mean i it i was a greyhawk kid Mm -hmm. and i know i'm never gonna get greyhawk but it is surprising to me that they didn't that it's a dragon lance i mean there was a lot of legal bullshit going on what just a year ago uh yeah it was uh geez pandemic time i think it might have been two years yeah it was a year two years something like that um they did uh eventually figure that out and uh they didn't release details about how the uh the case was settled and stuff but i it doesn't seem that great because margaret weiss and tracy hickman are writing new dragonlance novels and they weren't even told anything about the new dragonlance campaign setting coming out which leads me to believe that part of the settlement was they got a ton of money and wizards got the rights to some stuff i don't know margaret weiss tweeted out that uh that they didn't talk to her or tracy on it Hmm. and so yeah well i mean what is the world there kryn uh yeah the world of kryn i liked it when i read the novels but i'm like no i'm not gonna play in it uh so i don't know it'll be interesting but there were there were a lot of announcements they rolled out a ton of crap yeah it was some sort of uh direct thing on youtube where they Mm -hmm. had uh spell jammers dragon lance onslaught and a couple of other things yep no they gave a uh they gave an official release date for balder gate balder's gate 3 um in 2023 uh it's in beta Oh, and it's they've they, they got some which is great because they've got a lot of time to fix the issues. They talked a little bit about uh, the next upcoming book, which is Journeys to the Radiant Radiant Citadel. Yep, yep, that'll be about the maybe about the ethereal plane. I don't know. Hey, we're getting Planescape stuff, Chris, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We gotta go. I mean, I'm trying to be positive, Chris. It's interesting that the. Uh, Radiant Citadel is going to be 13 different adventures. Uh, So they're doing mini adventures and each one is by a separate author. Yep. And it is each one of the authors. There's no white guys, basically, right? Yeah, it's written by people of color. Okay. Um, And each one, you know, so it's kind of like a reimagining, perhaps, what the ethereal plane could be. Or mm-hmm. is uh, you know it's it's kind of interesting there. We talked before about it, and so there isn't a huge amount of new news that's been released about it beyond you know right. it's still coming. Yeah, and uh, the Dungeons and Dragons movie got uh, kind of a title: Honor 
Honor Among Thieves. That was it. God. And March 3rd, 2023, I'll be taking you for your birthday. Oh, I'm so excited. Sword Coast region of Forgotten Realms. And... I don't like popcorn, so you you get to save $30 on buying popcorn. Whatever. you They have bags of Swedish fish, fish so you'll be all over that. Yes. Uh, I, well, they, they've mentioned the word Forgotten Realms multiple times yep. talking about this movie, yep. so we at least know it's set in the Forgotten Realms Sword Coast area because they're not going to set anywhere else except the Sword Coast because there is nothing else in Forgotten Realms nope. except Sword Coast, right? Mm, well, there is. I just don't know nah, what it is. just Sword Coast, Chris. Don't yeah. be ridiculous. Okay. I am really hoping that there is a uh, an uncredited cameo by, we love him, we miss him, Jeremy Irons. Yes. Jeremy Irons, eat all of the scene, put it in your mouth, yeah. and then act. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Actually, we should see if we want to make sure Jeremy Irons is in it. We need to go break something in his castle real quick. Yeah, his real life castle. Uh, hashtag bring back Jeremy. Okay. Chris, uh, today we, we wanted to talk a little bit about about our deep dives. We, we've done 89 deep dives by the time this uh, show goes out. Which is, you know, it's not all been focused on monsters. Some of them have been about spells, our uh, character classes, uh, Raven Queen, Orcus, all that fun stuff. And there's a lot of interesting kind of lore that's both fun or is awful and is terrible and I never want to think about it again. And so I thought we could talk about that a little bit today. And, you know, it's always fun to share ideas uh, from past editions to kind of help people give better ideas as to uh, their own monsters or how they want their own world to to represent lore uh all monsters created by evil wizards evil or insane wizards nailed it okay what's next all right thank you for that chris i <laughs> how about i go ahead and start <laughs> one of my favorite bits of lore that's like lives in my head rent free is that in the first edition abolifs were Ugh. not magic based instead they use science and they hated magic at all costs and so everything they did was based off of science and so they had scientists as their um as like the the evil abolith uh people and like they would create weapons and things of that nature and like specifically go after people who could cast spells and like that's just one of my favorite little bits about abolith of course like the next edition that was gone completely and all my abolith scientists disappeared but i've like i really like the idea that like there's colonies of abolith out there and they're all like experimenting and doing science stuff and so i've 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 taken a little bit of that and like brought it into my own world as uh you know like these these deep sea creatures don't just rely on their uh psychic uh, magic, but can also build complicated machinery and things of that nature. Okay. Yeah, I I like talking about lore, but man, as I look through these, it's the art is just fantastically horrible. Wait, which art for what? Everything. I'm looking wow. at gibbering Mouther at the moment. There is no pleasing him. Good God. No, it is. It's horrifyingly amazing. Not, not even saying it's so bad it's good covers some of the art that's in here. I mean, it, it is terrifyingly phenomenal. Okay, so Abolus, you, you've always loved the creatures. That's yeah, they're weird. They're great. fun. Hey, look at this. I was looking at Gibbering Mouthers still, and uh, unsurprisingly, Gibbering Mouthers are not natural creatures, but rather created by evil wizards and cults. Okay, there we go. Now, your turn. Okay, well, I can go up to the next one. 
the Demogorgon, funnily enough, um, in the Beck Me Immortal Rules box set released in 1986 for basic Dungeons and Dragons. For whatever reason, Demogorgon in that single book, that single edition, is described as female. Really? Yep. Uh, uh, I'll read the text. Uh, Demogorgon can automatically take control of a maximum of 150 hit dice of undead of any type if she is within 120 feet of them. However, she can only maintain control to a maximum range of 500 miles, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And that is... 500 miles, okay! And that is the only spot, I believe, where it talks about her being female. Well, I mean, there's, like, other areas throughout it, but, like, this is the only book where it, it specifically uses she her when referring to demogorgon yeah i didn't know that that's kind of cool yes yes and that was what second edition you said no this is 1986 so this would have still been first edition oh wow just going into second edition but yeah so her titles are the child bane of souls the lizard king and the dark lady i'm I'm amazed that's that's fantastic considering how incredibly sexist they were in one e they give something other than you know like a nymph yeah. or a siren that have to be female based on the lore all right that's kind of cool yeah her normal form is an 18 foot tall reptilian monster with two monkey heads atop sinewy necks two great tentacles in place of arms and a forked tail cute okay that sounds terrifying i don't i yeah that's that's horrible um in so many ways i don't all right, we'll move on. Here's a monster that uh, is a spell jammer monster, the Neogi. Oh, I like the Neogi. They're fun. Yeah. So maybe those will appear in your least favorite, or I mean, I'm sorry, most favorite thing. They showed up in Volo's Guide to Monsters. They did, but I mean, aren't they native to spell jammer? Yes, they are. Okay. So, you know, they could make a comeback or they yeah, could yeah they might show up in spell they which could, would be cool yeah no comeback is uh you know i hope there's a better, playable race <laughs> i hope there's better art for them showing off their weird uh like they 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 like to paint themselves in different colors paint their fur in different colors so i hope there's better artwork showing that off than what was provided in like 2e because i mean 2e artwork it's fine it's serviceable it's passable but it's it's also like this just looks weird <laughs> Yeah, no, although there is some really cool art on the, I mean, it's small and it's not very detailed, but the, the ships you can have, uh, that gives you a good idea of how totally bizarre it is. Now, they're going to have to take uh, the Niyogi and probably make a couple changes to it if they throw it back in because their background is their slavers. So <laughs> that's not going to fly these days, and for a, that's a good thing. So... It'll be interesting to see what they do. They'll probably just be something that wants to conquer other races, which is the same kind of thing. It's going to be, you know, colonialism. We're not, you know, that's not good either. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Well, that's what makes them evil, Chris. Yeah, but do you really think it'll fly in today's political climate? That's why you kill them faster. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I I think they'll need a little... Well, I mean, they... They didn't really get much of a reimagining in 5th edition, so there might be a little bit of reworking once they come out in Spelljammers. Yeah, I guess it probably would be a good idea. Holy crap, that is a horrible picture from Dragon Magazine 184. That, I'll that leave is, a link in the show notes. That he's, that it, uh, Use your words, Chris. I can't. It's a spider with a semi-human face, and he's wearing a scarf. 
why he's wearing a scarf, I don't know, but he's wearing a scarf. He feels pretty. It. Oh boy, that's 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 horrible. Uh, let's move on because I can't look at that anymore. Oh, he just wants you to come over, sit in his lap, and he'll tell you a story. Uh huh. Uh, great. So uh, next, even what what do you got next for us? <laughs> well, the next thing we can talk about is I had it. Oh, the Koatoa. Everyone Ooh. knows how insane the Koatoa are. They are like these Pison humanoid creatures filled with sharp teeth, insane ideas. Uh, but they're so insane that they can also basically create gods out of nothing. That's how they created blip de bloop with their madness. Uh, if they just believe in something hard enough, that thing becomes true because of like their insane psionic capabilities, which I've always wanted to do a campaign where um this guy was has like enslaved thousands of koatoa and it's caused all sorts of issues within the underdark and so like adventurers are sent to figure out what's going on only to like stumble upon like a prison camp of koatoa and they're all being forced to worship like one single figure and like he's trying to like reach godhood by forcing the koatoa to believe he is a god hard enough I worry about you. That would be great. It would be hilarious. I really worry about you. It doesn't even have to be in the Underdark. We can do it outside. So they literally willed something into existence. Yes, that's how we got Blip to Bloop, which is, I don't know if you remember her artwork, but basically she's a Mm -hmm. naked woman. She has lobster claws for hands Mm -hmm. and a lobster face. Yep. And, you know, that's that's Blip to Bloop. Yep. If you're going to will something into existence, you might as well go with that. Just got to get crazy, Chris. Yeah, uh-huh. All right. I'm going to stick with Spelljammer. Uh, I'm amazed that you're not. Uh, and the GIF. The GIF. I love human... Wait, wait. Is this GIF? No. Or GIF? GIF. Okay, double with. Yeah. You know, those... I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure it's pronounced GIF. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the space-faring humanoid hippos that like things that go boom. Oh, they're great. I like them. They they could be my co-pilot. Yeah, I just like the fact that they they wear military uniforms with medals that are just made up. They yeah. they don't care. They're just like, look at me in my huge. It's it's like every like bad. It's like North Korea. Yeah, it's like every bad movie where there's like an evil colonel wearing this ridiculous outfit covered in medals on yeah, the outside. I said and you're North like, Korea. Yeah, valid point. Um, but yeah, yeah, like. Also, the other thing um, beyond just like their ridiculous uniforms is they believe like there is a planet out there that's basically hollowed out and is just a massive armory stockpiled with guns, Mm -hmm. gunpowder, bombs like that is their holy pilgrimage is looking, searching for this paradise. I know it's I love the fact that they're mercenaries. And that, you know, you can hire, you know, you, you need stuff blown up, find yourself a gif. I mean, they, they, they'll they bring all their gunpowder and lob it into battle unless they are hired and they have to fight against another platoon of gif. And then they won't do it. So what they do is both groups quit. They mm-hmm. hang out and get drunk all day. Yeah. And then they leave. Yeah, well, they That's, had to figure out first who is the better GIF, who, yeah. who's in charge here. Yeah, they and then they leave. Yeah, they fight, so it's just a big drunken ball brawl, 
And then they're like, peace out, bitches, and leave. I didn't even think they fought. I thought they just kind of like talked over who who was like who was more senior than the other one. Oh yeah, probably. But I got to imagine there's uh, there's got a little be bit a, of headbutting. Yeah, they they are big hippos. Hopefully they don't use gunpowder because there wouldn't be any gift left. So I love them. They <laughs> fit in with the madness of, of of Spelljammer. I mean, oh yeah, you know, every other picture has them wearing uh, a monocle. That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. So, yeah. Well, what do you got next? Uh, the Flump. Um, oh, and this God. is more of a a simmering hatred. The Flump gets done dirty throughout most of the editions. At least 5e was kind of nice to them. But in 4th edition, they don't show up until a, uh, I believe it was a Dungeon Magazine adventure on April Fool's Day. And it was all oh, yeah. about how stupid they are. And how they're the worst. Uh, I mean, the the adventure wasn't specifically about them, but they did show up in it. And it did make fun of them constantly throughout it. So I'm pretty sure it was about how stupid they are. And there's one part, there's one scene that players can watch. The way the flump feed each other is that they have spikes along their bottom. And so they stab the food with the spikes along their bottom. And then because their mouths are on top of their head, one of the flumps has to float on top of the one who wants to eat and dislodge the food stuck on its spike into that lower flump's mouth and that's how they eat and uh to this day i hate that i feel so bad for flumps that it's just it is maddening that that lives in my head and now everyone else can enjoy knowing that uh whoever wrote that adventure really hated flumps and i dislike them greatly wow i'm glad i forgot that so thanks for sharing it again i wish you didn't Fantastic. So I'm going to throw out one that has no lore and it makes me sad because it is just it's such a bizarre creature. It has to have a fantastic background, but it doesn't. The Umber Hulk. Oh, there's nothing about the Umber Hulk in any edition that I could find. I mean, beyond the fact that they love to kill stuff. And I mean, there's not even a mad wizard I can find anywhere that did them. It's it's. They just, I don't know, maybe the Koatoa willed themselves, willed them into existence? I don't know. Uh, speaking of the Umberhulk, that reminded me. So we have like a little, uh, you know, like all of our articles have like a small little like blurb thing where it's just like uh, deep dive the Rakasha. The Rakasha are filled with dark secrets and even darker desires. The Umberhulk's one is if it can claw through miles of solid rock, your armor won't slow it down. And we've had, I've had two people message me directly, basically like adjust their glasses and be like, well, actually, oh, God, yeah. rock and metal are made out of different materials. And so it could very well not be able to go through metal. And it's just like, you're right. All right, dude. Thank you for that. <laughs> Fantasy game. Uh, it, it, uh, I, <laughs> no, I, I get what they're saying, but also at the same time, that doesn't do, uh, you know, that's not funny. No, it, I can't put like an asterisk at the end and being like depends on the material that your armor's made out of. Yeah, true. It now I take back. I mean, the all right. There's no real lore about it, but why am I doing all the space jammer monsters? Because the spell Umber jammer. Hulks, yeah, spell jammer. Uh, yeah, the Elmer Hulk. Yes, yes, they're like the right hands of the Nyogi. Yeah, the 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 well, like the dominated monsters of the Nyogi. Yeah, that's a much better way of putting it. Um, well, they showed up before Spelljammer. Oh no, they did, but in Spelljammer, that's like 
yeah that we don't know how they were created but yeah so talking about you know the the whole slaver issue uh well now we have a race that they had uh basically you know slaved okay enslaved enslaved yeah wow <laughs> well my next one doesn't have to do with spelljammer but it does have to do with space are you ready mm. can you even guess which one this one is i'm not even gonna go there the displacer beast great uh it is uh a a an original monster of dungeons and dragons it's a big ip of theirs no one else is allowed to touch it uh copyright all that fun stuff um but it was obviously inspired by the coral uh which is um a feline creature from the 1939 science fiction story black destroyer by a.e van vocht um and was later incorporated into the novel the voyage of the space beagle uh 1950 <laughs> wait wait space beagle i think the ship's name was beagle and so okay yeah so the, like i mean the displacer beast is like a big cat with like tentacles coming off of it and um you know like it what, what's kind of cool to me is like you can see like this progression of people inspiring other people who are then inspired by this other thing they saw and they might never have read like the original source material um, and so I, I, I really like the idea that the Displacer Beast is actually some sort of uh, space alien entity whose like race somehow came up with space travel, uh, and now they just go to like different worlds to hunt people down. Unfortunately, um, throughout the editions, they kind of got stupider and stupider, and now yeah. I think they're like some sort of Feywild creature. But I like the idea that they're like aliens. Yeah, that's, no, it, that's my preferred take on them. And you know, to your point, that's the reason we do the deep dives so we can tell people all about the weird crap that has gone into. And then the... I have more ideas for monsters. For yeah, my great. Yeah, and don't think you know we don't know that every time we do one of these, you you know, you let me forget about it, and then about you know two deep dives later, well, it appears, and I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, fuck, I can't remember anything about this and then i think it has a weakness to dying yeah yeah no no that's us uh yeah so all right i've got one or two more okay um and again this is one that i'm not sure too much about the lore i just love the pictures on it the growl giant floating brain with oh, the beak yeah. and you tentacles know, that legs. was gonna be one of my things so they're they're fantastic fantastic again fantastically horrible as far as art i love it so much who the hell comes up with these things i mean how much acid do you have to drop to be able to come up with a a giant brain that has a the beak of what a vulture and two eyes that are basically set on the back of the beak and then it has a bunch of floating tentacles that have barbs on the end of them. Well, in 2E, they also have like the little rooster mohawk thing going on. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's very true. And I like the tentacles carrying some sort of rod that, or lightning lance. I'm sorry, see, it's carrying a see, lightning lance. I was going to do the grill until you kept getting on me about Spelljammer and how I haven't done any Spelljammers. Because the grill do show up in Spelljammer and they have lightning lances that they uh, shoot lightning out of, which yep. is fun. Gotcha. So, so, uh, well, you saved me from doing that, and you made it so that I'm not doing a Spelljammer next, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead... I think your love of the Spelljammer is a lie. I'm going to talk about the owlbear. Everyone's favorite owlbear. Uh, I'll also leave a link to a create an owlbear, a uh, little bit of homebrew that I made up, or build an owlbear, uh, just because I, th I, th I think it's... It's really fun, and it has to do with what I'm about to say. In uh, it was two e, I believe. 
there were different versions of owlbears out there that were just horrifying. My favorite version is the one that has wings. Yeah. And it, like, soars through the sky. And then, so, like, you never know if it's about to, like, descend upon you, break your neck as it just, like, barrel rolls into you and flies away with you. So the owl part of the owlbear got a little love. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's so it also like the artwork is just awful if you look at the second edition uh from dungeon number 63 oh, yeah. that owlbear is just gross yeah no i mean i can you took way too long to sum it up because i can sum up the owlbear created by mad wizard there you go done <laughs> got it nailed it i mean christ who comes up with this stuff what what i mean let's let's shove an owl and a bear together well i mean this one to be fair was based off of a uh, toy figurine mm-hmm. that uh gygax or no, it wasn't a gygax that found it, it was... no it was gygax that found it and brought it to he had it was a whole bunch of little toy figures the rust monster was in there oh that's right yeah uh there were a couple other ones that were in there um yeah. and then but... tony diter uh yes. diter Lisi, uh yeah, who... whatever <laughs> I, I i think i tony d up. Yeah, he uh, took some pictures of it, and I'll, I'll throw a link to all these monsters we're talking about, and you can see the uh, the toy figurine that inspired the owlbear. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk on where it orig- the toy figure. Nobody knows where the toy figures came from because right, but you know there was similar toys made for Ultraman, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I literally watched every episode of Ultraman to I see if I could find it. They're just like toy figurine rejects that another mm-hmm. company bought. Yep, and we're like, ah, oh, we can make toys out of this awful. Uh, mold. yellow thing yeah okay great so uh, you got one more chris well i, I didn't really i didn't really or you get two more your choice because i got two more okay great i am going to i'm going to go to our one shot wonders so this monster only appeared in first edition and there's a good reason why the terrafig am i saying that right i can't even know. uh the terrafig yeah i don't know i don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it yeah so Seven foot tall albino naked creature that has three legs, two of which are ending stumps. One uh-huh. has a weird foot, three arms, two of which the, the normal two arms that like we have end in kind of spear like. Yeah, it's like three claws. Oh, yeah, but the third arm sticks out of the middle of its chest <laughs> with three fingers and it has three heads. Two of one, the two on the sides are void of any features, and then the middle one doesn't have a mouth, but has all the other like eyes, ears, nose. I it what? and it doesn't really even have lore explaining what it does or like how it exists where it came from or and it doesn't do much. <laughs> it's I mean it's a blank canvas for people to to gaze upon. It I it I. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this it's except a that it's to be killed. It's awesome. <laughs> it is so it's I mean, one of those it's so bad. It's amazing. I disagree on the awesome part. It, it, it no. It freaks me out. Yeah, exactly. I don't want this, it to touch me. It's like if you look at it long enough, you are totally going to have some serious nightmares. Mm-hmm. It's the blank faces that really freak me out. Uh, I think it's its entire body that freaks me out. Okay. Uh, oh, yeah. And my favorite part about it, you know, the only thing it eats? A rotting flesh. Not flesh. Most monsters that we talk about want to eat the flesh from your bones. Now, this one kills you, waits three weeks till the maggots are crawling through your dead body, and then will devour you. Good times. Chris, 
All right. So the next one is something that I hate. Uh, Sort of. I don't know. I go back and forth about this. Uh, It's the Kenku. The poor defenseless Kenku. It begins as a creature cursed to uh, just be, you know, you're just like an Aarakocra, except you're more bird-like. You can still fly all that things. And, or, well, no, you, you couldn't really no. fly. No, no, they were cursed to right. not be able to fly, but they could still talk. And then 5e <laughs> suddenly changes. No, you can't talk at all. Like, I, it frustrates me. Yeah, and they're a player class. You can't talk. I mean, you're like... Yeah, and like what? you could use like the third person be like, all right, so Kenku makes a bunch of sounds. Basically, uh, he wants to mug this person and steal their gym. And it's like, great. But the issue is like, I've had several people in AL play Kenku, mm-hmm. and either they get frustrated and are just like, I'm going to bring a new character because I'm tired of this. Right. Because like it's a gimmick. They can't talk. They can only mimic sounds. It becomes a gimmick. And then I've had other people where it's they want to spend 10 minutes not explaining oh, anything yeah. in third person and just like first person just flip through a bunch of different voices or sound effects that they have and try to explain that to the rest of the table. And it's like, dude, shut up. Yeah, You're, no. Just, just tell us what you want. <laughs> That's I'm tired get, of playing charades. It's so annoying where like someone would be like, hey, I think we should go and, uh, you know, ambush this monster. And then the person sitting next to you is, hey, I think we should go and ambush this monster. It's like, oh, God, how long is this going to happen? I'm killing you. Boulder falls in your head. You're dead. Yeah. And so, like, now Volos does say, like, you know, like this mimicking thing can be uh, annoying or tiresome. <laughs> but also at the same time, it's like you guys did this there was no reason for this you just did it yeah no and it's they actually do get a decent amount of lore and i think it's in let me see i'll look it up yeah 3.5 yeah see there's a cool piece of artwork uh and i want to say uh 4e where it's like a kinku up on the roof and it's just like darkness all around (laughs) yeah yeah they were they let's see they pissed off a god like you do and they let's see yeah they had a plague they they the they, the bird flu the avian flu whatever you want to call it yeah so the race is being decimated they pray to a god they're answered by a god and i can't think of who the god is uh, i don't think it ever really specifies no it doesn't oh the prayers were answered by pazuzu oh pazuzu yeah thank you uh, yeah, and they said, okay, yeah, we'll worship you, and blah, blah, blah. And then, I guess, uh, the words that we used are, being the greedy, self-centered birds, they are. Okay, so they fucked themselves. And now he didn't, the yeah, the guy didn't take the betrayal. Well, killed most of them. And the ones that left, he decided to say, great, you can't fly now. Yeah, so, yeah, they get a little lore, and yeah, they are fucking annoying to play as a character race. Wow, you have strong feelings. I don't think you've ever I, played alongside of Kenku, though. I do. I have potty mouth today, but that's okay. Um, you, you'll. Do you steer away, like, because uh, you've ran games for children and stuff? Do you steer them away from the Kenku? Mm, yeah, they're children, so most of them either want to play a monk because they think they're a ninja, or they want to play a barbarian because they get to hit a lot of things. All right, uh, one more. Sure, I got one more. If you got one more. Gibbering mouther. What about it? Again, there's not much to f- say about it. Uh, I think the only thing that's in here is created by evil wizards. Uh, but the pictures are freaking awesome. 
Dude, you there's not enough acid. Gibbering mother? I don't know. Did we? There's not you enough did. acid. This is the second time you're talking about. Yes, there's mother. not enough acid in the world to come up with this thing. I'm doing it again, just like you want to do a second article on uh, the Cobalt. You know, the Cobalt Two Electric Boogaloo. You know, I think we could do more for the Cobalt. We do. Hey, why? Well, I, I can't. Believe, are you going to talk about the Cobalt? Well, for my last one, mm-hmm. I was going to talk about the great injustice that happened between Boulay and Cobalt. Let's do it. Okay. So there's a Dragon Magazine where we're talking about uh, how this one guy hunts down Boulay's. And the way he did it was he kidnapped a kobold, tied it to a tree, and just made the kobold <laughs> run around the ground for several hours until the Boulay erupted and ate the poor defenseless kobold. And that's how he hunted Boulay's. Because like, when it erupted out of the ground, he shot at it from his perch up in the tree. I feel like we have a, a, a good use for kobolds. That's rude. Yeah, well, that's my most hated piece of war I've ever read, and I think it's perfect. No, no, it's awful. That any, poor any, kobold. They're you can play them as a character race, and one of their innate abilities is beg, grovel, and whatever. It, that's fine. <laughs> what? Plus, I don't like the fact that you can have a character that has sunlight sensitivity. And that makes no sense. Uh, so, you know, Chris Elliott and Richard Edwards uh, mm. in Dragon Number 74, June 1983. You might be dead now, but if you weren't, you are on my shit list. Oh, oh okay. They yeah. were, they were they're the they're authors. authors. Yeah. yeah, okay. Well, you know, I hopefully they don't listen to this podcast. Otherwise, they're going to be pissed off. All right, so there we go. Uh, you know, I, I think the gibbering mouther did deserve to be mentioned twice. I don't think so. You, the pictures are so good. <laughs> I think they're, you're running out of ideas. They're so good. Now, I, I was going to do, uh, what was the other one I was going to well, do? Go for it. Do it. Are you sure? Yeah, you already did the gibbering mouther twice. Oh, great. The chul. The chul? Oh, I like chuls. Giant lobster monsters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's fantastic. Uh, except they're not just giant lobster monsters. They are part lizard. Mm-hmm. And they're part, and I forgot what the other part is, and I'm a horrible, horrible person for doing that. But guess how they were created? Oh, yeah, it's a, oh, insect. insect I want to say yes. praying mantis. You know how they were created? Evil wizards. Evil wizards. Well, Genetic actually, experiments by evil wizards. The thing I like about the tool was, I think it was 3E, there was an adventure where you could go to, like, an, uh, an old island where they're like they were like the rulers uh or like they were the the uh the guardians of the island and the evil wizard that created them gave them like ultimate authority but when the evil wizard died like all authority on the island was lost and i've always liked that for their lore that's fun oh that's fantastic uh yeah in dragon 330 the the ecology of the chul yeah mad wizard it was the Archmaid Kleptis. Kleptis. Yeah. And he just decided that, you know what would be fun? I'm going to use arcane magic and slam together a lizard, an insect, and a lobster. Uh, one of my favorite things about it is when they're described in, I think it's 1E or 2E, the, the lobster claw, it, it literally says if you are, you know, something like I think it might be a critical hit or something, it will cut your head clean off. Fantastic. Can you, you come back from that? Maybe. Okay. Uh, do you think when he was smashing those creatures together that he said, now Keith? <laughs> I hope not. Oh, boy. Like I said, I worry about you. <laughs> All right. All so- right. Well, there we have it. 
Well, thank you for joining us for another episode of the No Int Here, the podcast with Chris and me, Stephen. Yeah. If you're interested in supporting us, you can join us on patreon.com slash dumpstat, or you can follow us on Twitter at twitter slash stat underscore dump. You got it. I did it. Yes, on Twitter. Yes, on our Patreon. Uh, there's, you, can you know, follow us on our website, dumpstatadventures.com. Yeah, that, that would be good too. Yeah. Um, and you can catch some of our uh, ecology, some of these deep dives on YouTube. We've done a limited amount. We might go back to that. So yeah, a lot of places to find dumpstat out there in the world, and we'd love for you to join us. Say bye, Chris. No. <laughs>